Who killed Marielle Franco? That was the question splayed across Brazil and the world over the past year. On March 14, 2018, Rio de Janeiro Councilwoman Marielle Franco was on her way home from mediating a debate when her car was cut off by a silver Chevrolet Cobalt, which had been following her for around 4 kilometers. 13 gunshots were then fired from the Cobalt. Four of them hit Marielle, three in the head, one in the neck, killing her instantly. Marielle's driver, Anderson Gomez, was also killed. The Cobalt then fled the scene without stealing any of Marielle or Anderson's belongings. For one year, Brazilians and the international community have called for the punishment of the perpetrators. But the investigation stalled with the cops missing out elementary steps of their job, such as talking to key witnesses. That could have something to do with the fact that state agents are believed to be involved in the assassination. After all, the gun and the ammunition used to kill her match items that were stolen from the police. And Rio's law enforcement has a deep connection to urban militias, as we explored in our podcast number 46. For one year, it seemed that the Marielle Franco case would never move forward. That is, until this week, when the first suspects were arrested by the police. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. Maria Marta Bruno, you are the Brazilian Report's Rio de Janeiro-based journalist. Usually you're the producer of this show, and today we finally get to have you joining us. Hi, Gustavo. Thanks for having me today. Maria, who was Marielle Franco? Marielle Franco was a rare type of politician, Gustavo. Uh, first, she was a woman. She was a black woman in a same-sex marriage, and she was in a favela, which are Rio slums. She lived in a large favela right next to the international airport of Rio. So if you're a visitor coming to the city, you can avoid uh, seeing Favela da Maré, which was the place where Marielle was born and raised. So black woman, LGBT, not exactly your usual combo for someone in public office in Brazil, right? No, not at all. She was part of the so-called intellectuals from the favela, a group of students from peripheral areas who managed to gain admission in to the city's top university. She studied sociology at Rio's Catholic University thanks to a full scholarship and later finished her master's degree in public administration from the Fluminense Federal University, another very prominent institution from here. Her research, if I'm not wrong, was about Rio's policy to pacify gang-dominated favelas, right? Yes, the UPP, Unidades de Polícia Pacificadoras. Her dissertation is being published into a book now, and it's been considered a very good analysis of why the policy had initial success, but ultimately failed with cops who were stationed in the favelas becoming increasingly more violent and also corrupt. Uh, but her work offers a complex analysis, and it doesn't take sides against the police. 
To sum it up, it is what an academic work should be. Precisely. And this interest in what's going on inside the favela or how violence affects peripheral communities was a big part of her political life, and that's why she was murdered. Yes, uh, Marielle Franco pissed off a lot of people and a lot of powerful people in Rio. She tried to expose the actions of the urban militias, how they are controlling land ownership and many parts of town and other public services that are not provided by the state, such as gas and cable, TV, basic services, transportations too. And all signs point to an assassination by people with interested siding with the militias. However, over the past 12 months, the investigation had many twists and turns, Gustavo. For example? For example, when some of the most powerful former real lawmakers were arrested last year, they were also accused of being involved in the crime, as they were fierce political adversaries of left-wing congressman Marcelo Freixo, Marcelo Freixo was a kind of mentor of Marielle Franco. We must also point out that Marielle didn't only target militias, feminism, human rights, inequality, and fighting racism may also have triggered the crime. This is something that the, the police has to look into now. And for one year, we didn't find out much about uh, who committed the crime until today, March 12th. Two days before the first anniversary of death, of her death, we were surprised by this uh, operation. The, the police launched early in the morning at 4 a.m. and they carried out dozens of search and seize warrants and arrested two former cops. Uh, one of them named Honey Lessa, and the other is Elcio Queiroz. Lessa is believed to have been the gunman who shot Marielle and. Elcio is accused of being the driver of the getaway car. And how did the cops get to these two men? It was a highly complex investigation, Gustavo. Over 33,000 phone lines were scrutinized by the police. Over 300 were bugged. There were 230 witnesses heard. And the case files amount to 760 gigabytes of hardware space. So it wasn't like the police were rushing to get their man. They have zeroed in on Ronnie Lessa after noting that he monitored Marielis Franco's day-to-day -day schedule online. He also did the same with her mentor, Marcelo Freixo. He was also the victim of an assassination attempt in April last year, which the investigators believe it was an attempt to shut him up. By the people who ordered the murder. Exactly. And who are those people? That's the million-dollar question, Gustavo. We still don't know. And today, the police chief officer said that this is the primary goal of the second phase of the investigation. What seems to be the case for now is that the group that carry out the assassination is the so-called Office of Crime, an urban militia. It is a very secretive, deadly hit squad operated by cops and former cops. And in this case, that classic investigatory advice to follow the money might be tricky, right? 
Sure. The, the, the Office of Crime was apparently higher on the deep web, which is how we call parts of the web which are not indexed by Google and other search engines. And do authorities have a plan to get those who commanded the murder? Well, uh, Rio's new governor, Wilson Witzel, said he hopes those two former cops that were arrested today will flip and collaborate with investigators, which is not the easiest thing we know in their line of work. Turning informant could cost them their lives. We know that. Maria, before I let you go, we have to address an important issue. The president's family has been cited in this investigation. That's quite a coincidence, wasn't it? Uh, Honey Lessa, who the police believe is, was the gunman, he lives in the same housing complex as President Jair Bolsonaro and his son, Carlos Bolsonaro. This is in the west part of Rio. And according to the lead investigator of the case, Lessa's daughter dated one of the president's sons. And of yet, we don't know which one of them. There are three Bolsonaro kids. And right now, that's the only thing we can say about the president's family in this case, right? I mean, it would be irresponsible for us to jump into any conclusions at this moment. Yeah, sure, because uh, those uh, housing complex in, in Barra da Tijuca, this neighborhood, they are very big. They're huge areas. And, of course, the fact that you have a neighborhood in the same area where you live doesn't mean that you're friends with this person. So we have to be absolutely cautious with that. Maria, thank you very much. Thank you, Gustavo. Next, why Marielle Franco's assassination is not just another murder. This podcast is supported by FastHelp. FastHelp is a Brasilia-based IT company devoted to providing cybersecurity solutions. Protect your business by teaming up with FastHelp. Visit fasthelp.com.br for more information. Esse medo, esse desespero é onde a gente chora porque corta na nossa cara. A reminência do confronto a qualquer hora. There are people who try to dismiss the Marielle Franco assassination by pointing out toward the bleak reality in Brazil. Every year, almost 60,000 people are murdered in the country. So what's so different about Marielle Franco? To talk about that, we reached out to Margaret Huang, executive director at Amnesty International USA. She came to Brazil for the anniversary of Marielle Franco's death and talked to me hours before the newest developments in the investigation. It shouldn't be unusual that we call for every case to be investigated, but this case in particular is important because of her role as a human rights defender and because the message that the assassination sent is that human rights defenders are not safe and the slow pace of the investigation is echoing that message that the government of Brazil, the, the uh, prosecutors, the civil police of Brazil 
are not taking seriously the risks and the dangers to human rights defenders in the country. And that's why we, we do consider it a case that definitely must be fully investigated because her case represents the situation for so many other human rights defenders here. For the record, Brazil is the country with the highest number of human rights defenders murdered annually in the Americas. In 2016, which is the latest available data, one human rights defender was killed every five days. So, Margaret, what are Amnesty International's main concerns regarding Marielle Franco's specific case? I think the, the biggest concerns that we have are really for her family, because they have been waiting now for one year, and there's still no uh, results in the multiple investigations that are taking place. Amnesty's focus is on ensuring that the investigations are independent and comprehensive. And I think uh, while there are multiple investigations happening, not all of them are, are happening in ways that meet the, the full due process investigation that we expect. When you say investigations are not following due process, what exactly do you mean? Clearly, there's evidence that has not been thoroughly investigated or timely investigated. And even communications with the family have been have been really quite slow, which is strange, given that the family might have a lot to offer in the investigation. So that's what we mean. Um, there are things that both the civil police and the general prosecutor's offices can do to ensure that the family is getting the information that they deserve as the family of the victim, but also to share out uh, the results of the investigation with a wider audience. And as you can tell by my presence here, the, the global movement of amnesty is really quite focused on this case as something that lifts up the situation of human rights defenders, particularly in Brazil, but across the Americas more broadly. Um, for us, this is a very emblematic case. And so the lack of progress in the investigations is alarming for us. Amnesty International defends external oversight on this investigation, but state agents are suspected of being involved in the crime. So who should provide this oversight? I think the key is it has to be an independent body that is not connected with the, the uh, offices that are leading the investigations. And it has the confidence of the family and of the community here in Rio that, that they are able to perform that role. Last year, Marielle Franco's murder was one of many cases of political violence in Brazil. Shots were fired at a campsite where former President Lula was at, and of course... Jair Bolsonaro almost died during the presidential campaign after being stabbed in the stomach. Are things getting worse in terms of politically motivated violence? There was a report that was just released uh, by Amnesty Globally looking at uh, the case for human rights defenders. And there's no question that what we're seeing globally is uh, restrictions in a whole range of fronts. Um, everything from from um, harassment and prosecution for expression, free expression and freedom of assembly, to targeting of individual defenders for prosecution under a whole host of, um, of alleged violations of statutes, generally um, things of criticizing the government or um, 
or uh, demanding accountability. Just last week, one of our board members in Indonesia, Amnesty Indonesia, was arrested for criticizing the military in Indonesia. And his possible sentence for criticizing the military in a public setting is up to 18 months. Um, and we've had other Amnesty colleagues arrested in other countries. And the threats against Amnesty alone, never mind the larger human rights movement around the globe, have increased dramatically over the last five years. So I think it's a range of things. I think we're seeing uh, so-called democracy after democracy be taken over by parties that are much more interested in authoritarian rule than they are in protecting uh, traditional values of human rights and freedom of expression. At the same time, Marielle Franco's assassination seemed to have sparked a wave of minority candidates in Brazil. So maybe I can comment again on my own country situation, because we've seen something very similar. Um, two years after President Trump was elected, we had elections uh, of national representatives, which for the first time included many firsts in the United States, the first Muslim Americans elected to Congress, women elected to Congress, the first Native American women elected to Congress, um, record numbers of people of African descent, women of African descent elected to Congress. And I think what you're seeing in the United States, and I expect is similar here, is that the recognition that until all of our communities have a voice, in our public debate and in the decision-making around policy, that we're unsuccessful in ensuring that those policies reflect our values and reflect our goals. Margaret, thank you very much. Happy to do it, Gustavo. It was a pleasure for me too. This podcast was written and prepared by me, Gustavo Ribeiro. Maria Marta Bruno produced this show. Iwan Marshall edits the final script. If you like this podcast, rate us on whatever platform you may be listening to Explaining Brazil. It takes only a second, but it is really important for us. And take a look at our website. It's brazilian.report. Every day we have new content about Brazilian politics, finance, and society. We've also got exclusive newsletter services if you want to be briefed about what's going on in Brazil before starting your day. Subscribe now for a free trial and enjoy all of our content for seven days. And it's really free. You don't have to submit any credit card information whatsoever. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is at Brazilian Report. That's all for now. See you next week.